Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Johnson, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan Peisner, CMI. Hi, Dan. Hey there, Andy. Good to see you, Dan. Dan, uh, you handle a lot of sales tax audits for e-commerce businesses, and I know that uh, you're pretty swamped dealing with sales tax audits all the time. And I thought it would be helpful today if we talked about uh, one of our recommendations and why it's important, uh, what, you should, what you should do. If, you're, if you've been notified that you're under audit, uh, one of the things that we recommend, and I just want to get your commentary on this, is that a, a business designate an audit coordinator. All right, an audit coordinator is your liaison to the auditor. Um, so let me just share some of what we usually advise people, Dan, and, and I just want to get your take on it because you're in this world all the time. So uh, this audit coordinator should be somebody, could be someone in your company. If you have someone that meets the criteria, then that's actually ideal. But it also could be a, a third party, somebody that works with sales tax audits. So this person is really key, and this audit coordinator, I'm just reading from, from uh, my, uh, my guide to handling sales tax audits, just so I, I get this right. Uh, this person should understand tax law and policy, right, obviously, and ideally they have experience working on sales tax audits with, with sales tax auditors. This person should understand your business and should know, if they don't know the answer to a question, who should they go to internally? The idea of, a, of an audit coordinator is not, if, not to mislead an auditor. It's not to evade the tax. It's not to create trouble for an auditor. It's really not that at all. It's really all about facilitating the information gathering process because audits can go on. We have seen audits go on for seven or eight years. Uh, unnecessarily because um, they, they really just didn't have a good uh, person in place to just facilitate that. And uh, just the length of an audit going on for that long is, is a problem. Things get lost, things get forgotten. So there's a cost just in the time, but <laughs> any audit that's gone on for that long a time that I can think of that we've worked on that goes on for a year to five to six years, uh, almost always, and Dan, maybe you can give me an example that disagrees, but almost always results in an assessment that when you look at it, you think, man, that's way over, they're way overpaying. Would you agree with that, Dan? In 95% of the cases, yes. Uh, If if it's going on for, for a length of time, then they are, uh, in, in most cases, they're going to auditors, whether they a lot of times they like to admit it or not, have some kind of a, a productivity. They they want to be seen as as doing productive audits, and they're not finding the dollars. Then the the states know on average how many taxpayers make make mistakes and, and what kind of mistakes are out there. And if they're not finding those mistakes, they're going to assume that the the auditor's not up to snuff and either retrain them or uh, show them the door. So you're you're you've got a, a pressure to try to close audits and to, to have them be productive. And if it's, if there's no product, if it's not going to be a productive audit, they want the auditor to figure that out sooner rather than later. 
and close it out. Yeah. Yeah. An archer comes into this process not expecting to be there for years. And, you know, they have all of their reporting that they do internally. Um, so that's not what their goal is. Their goal is to come in, find a lot of money, do not, not have to do too much work and get out of there. But at least they, even if they don't find money, they want to feel like they, they were productive and got things done quickly. So that can be to your advantage. So, but it's not just that. It's not just trying to get it done quickly, uh, but you're trying to make sure that, that the auditor doesn't assess you tax that you don't owe, right? And a lot of times, if you're not there to provide the information that they need and the answers that they need, their answer to that is, okay, I'll just assess the tax and let you, you know, fight about it later. Prove to me why I shouldn't have assessed the tax. And that can be a very, very difficult process. So uh, first of all, just try to designate who your audit coordinator is going to be. Uh, Make sure this person is careful. And I don't mean like obviously withholding information. That's not what we want. We, you want the auditor to feel like and to actually be in this situation where they're getting the information that they need. So you don't need someone who is just, you know, they, they demand everything in writing and triplicate and they don't share any information that uh, you don't want that because then the auditor doesn't trust them. But on the other hand, you don't need, you know, uh, someone who is constant, you know, just says a bunch of stuff, you know. Uh, and to, to put a quick note on that, Andy, uh, a lot of times when you're talking to an auditor, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. Certain terms have, may have different meanings in industry or within a company than you than they they do for tax law purposes. And and a lot of you have you want your audit coordinator to be somebody that understands what does this mean in tax law terminology. And if I tell them this, the auditor is going to think X, and is that really the reality of it? You're you're not trying to give them misinformation, but you're tr- you want to make sure that the information you give them is is going to be ultimately correct in tax terms. Yes, tax terminology is so important. A non-savvy person can be well-meaning and there's two things they can do wrong. Say something that is accurate from their point of view, but has tax implications that that they couldn't have anticipated. And uh, they, they say something wrong that leads to an assessment and it's very hard to get it off later. Or they could just give out wrong information. And you know, nobody's perfect, um, but there's nothing wrong with saying when an auditor asks a question, uh, hey, how is this piece of equipment used? It, it's showing up in your, in your uh, cost center of research and development. So how is it used? And so you, you just you want to be the person that knows all the answers. So you say, well, if, it's, if it says it's research and development, then uh, if it's in that account, then, then that's exactly what it's for. It's for research and development. Well, you just gave the auditor uh, something to hang their hat on because it's no longer considered manufacturing in many states. And so that answer you gave them is, is going to hang you later. And you need to understand exactly what the manufacturing process is. And you need to really understand the facts around that particular question before you answer that you can come back and correct it. So the auditor asks you a question, you say something, 
you, you said too much, you didn't really know, or you thought you knew, and later you ask the actual engineer at your company, and they say, oh, no, here's, that's in R&D, but it's not really R&D. It's really, uh, that's just when we build a prototype and then we sell the prototype later down the road. Oh, so then you come back to the auditor and say, I need to clarify one thing there. And the auditor may agree with you or not, but let's say you do that a series of five or 10 times. Well, pretty soon the auditor is just going to say, mm, whatever he says or she says, I'm not buying it. What I am going to buy is whatever the bad answer is. And so that's how an audit coordinator can hurt you if they just tend to just say too much. So Dan, in my, my few minutes that we have here, I want to share a, just a brief, and I'm going to make this available if you'd like to, to get a copy of it, uh, our agenda that we hand out to our audit coordinators, our clients, just for this meeting they're going to have with an auditor before the audit even starts. So it's just setting the tone for having an efficient audit that goes well for both you for your company, right? That's the main idea. We're not trying to make life easy for the auditor, except to the extent that it will help you. So um, let me just share just a few things. I actually have, oh, six or seven different bullet points here, but um, here's some things. You obviously want to establish rapport. Uh, you want to make yourself an ally. We're working together. This isn't an adversarial. It doesn't have to be. Um, Sometimes auditors seem to have a chip on their shoulders, but not usually. Auditors, professional people, the real people. Uh, so you could say something like, we look forward to working with you to ensure that our company is paying the correct tax that's due. All right, so make sure you get the auditor's contact information. Make sure you understand which taxes are under examination here because uh, a state could have uh, all sorts of different taxes, uh, income tax, franchise tax, fuels tax, sales tax, uh, hotel occupancy tax. I mean, there's, you got to make sure what are you auditing, right? You're not trying, you don't want them to audit everything you've got. And then confirm exactly what's the audit period. I've seen enough situations where uh, audit, you got to know what the period is so that you don't end up giving more records than what you should, right, Dan? Correct. Um. Also, you want to nail down here exactly what records do you need, auditor, because if they just give you their list, their list is, is super comprehensive. So you want to nail down with that auditor in your preliminary meeting, uh, what do you, uh, exactly do, what do you need, and then think about it. So we also have a list of what should you make sure you know in advance before you commit to the actual audit schedule. In other words, before that, you say, yes, you can come in here December 5th at 8.30. There's a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, about 10 different things you should know before you commit to that auditor coming into your place of business. And I'll share those in our audit note, in our, uh, in our show notes. So Dan, I, I wanted to quickly get through this because I know that businesses are, uh, under audit a lot and increasing and it helps if you can get an audit coordinator in place it helps if you can get this person going because that's your best chance of reducing the assessment and I'll give you the last word uh, I, I like what you said there Andy especially about uh, the going through going through the auditor's list those are all 
those lists tend to be pre-printed. That's apply to every, uh, very wide ranging, apply to every business. For our, our e-commerce clients out there, the most common thing is they're going to request expenses and fixed assets. If you don't have any in the state that's auditing you, tell them that up front. There is no need to produce an expense, expenses and fixed asset anything if you don't have any in the state. And if you're sure you don't have any in the state, it wastes their time and it wastes yours. And it's uh, at some point in that very first meeting you can you can bring up and, and help the scope the audit in your favor. Excellent point, Dan. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. So this concludes this week's episode of the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. We'll see you next episode.